0: Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message, and may God bless you richly through it.
1: The reading from today is from John 14, verses one to 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This ends the reading. We thank God and Jesus for his holy word.
0: We only have one passage from Scripture this morning, and in many of the very formal traditions, they read at least three plus a psalm. Well, we had a psalm, and we have just a gospel reading because it comes good news and bad news, I guess. This is about four sermons worth, at least, of topics in that one gospel passage. Shall we endeavor to go? No? Okay. I didn't want to anyway, not all, all at once, but save something for the next time we read it I love the phrase that Jesus uses here and we talked about using it a couple of times in one meeting after the resurrection let not your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid as the rest of the passage in another one Well we we kind of save this p- gospel passage oftentimes for a celebration of life when our hearts are troubled don't we Because it starts with word of comfort. Because it talks about a destination, we save it for, and I know I say celebration of life because it's what I do, we tend to think of it as a funeral. Well, let's read it on a bright spring Sunday morning instead. Let's talk about it a little bit. This in my father's house are many rooms got twisted over the centuries sometimes. At one time it was believed that there were different kinds of rooms, and that a saint would get a five-star room, and a sinner would get something in a dump called a no motel, and that's where you get stuck, that you were, it's a human thing about reward versus how you lived, and that you get better rooms? I don't think so. That's not how it's come to be interpreted, because he's talking to people who follow him. Disciples who, who still have honest doubt, who still don't quite get it. This is before the, the crucifixion and the resurrection, so they haven't seen the whole story yet. And he says, in my father's house are many rooms. Now, spending summers on, in coastal Maine, where my mother grew up, we got very accustomed from the 4th of July to Labor Day weekend. Every little bunch of cottages, every little motel, even many of the campgrounds, They had a neon sign or a, a painted sign and they'd either light up the first word or hang it on a hook that said no. The second word was vacancy. Full house. Sorry, keep going. Go to the next more expensive place on the route if you didn't call ahead for a reservation. Jesus says, no problem in dad's place. We got plenty of room. And I'm going ahead to make sure that the hospitality basket is out, the flowers are fresh, there's a mint on the pillow, whatever the, and we can't imagine the glory. I mean, that's just worldly welcome. What must it be like? And he says, I'm gonna go up there and get ready and I'm gonna come back and take you to be with me. Do we wait now? Do you live like Jesus is coming back to get you and take you to the Father's house? I forget. I've got all this world stuff in front of me. I've got the next week's sermon to prepare without any counting on Jesus to take that load from me by then. Okay, I'm not complaining, but we need to remember to be ready that if Jesus shows up, we don't have to say, wait till I pack. Or I've got one more thing to do. Or can you wait till tomorrow, Jesus? No. When it's time to go, we're going to go. And I'll take you to be with me that you know where I'm going. I hope you don't doubt that. And if you have a doubt, let it be an honest one. We've talked about Thomas before, and poor Thomas has forever been dubbed for 2,000 years now doubting Thomas. He's the one who had to touch the wounds in Jesus' side and hands before he confessed, my Lord and my God. Well, here he is. Even before that, uh, Lord, you tell us we know the way where you're going. I still don't get it, and I, I'm not trying to be, you know, contrary, Rabbi. But I cannot say Amen to that which I don't understand yet. Jesus said, Thomas, you know the way to where I'm going because I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You heard me tell the young'uns, and I hope that kind of prefaced this part of the sermon a little bit, that Jesus is the way and that he'll, he'll walk right beside us. He'll take us by the arm. He helps us on the right path. He says, and he has said to his disciples over and over, I have come from the Father and will return to the Father. Poor Thomas, again, not trying to be contrary, I believe. He wants to believe honestly, so he's, he's questioning honestly and listening earnestly for the response. If you have an honest need to understand, that's okay to ask the question and then engage earnestly with the answer, with the response, with the reply that, that Christ gives in his word. Jesus says, I am the way. Before there was Ecclesia, the church. Before there was the name Christianity. Before we were called Protestants in Spire, Germany in the 16th century. Before all that, those who followed Christ were simply called followers of The Way, with a capital W. And there would have been a long philosophy in the world, the Greeks called it the different spheres of development, We call it the way, a path, but a development in God, a development in Christ, preparing us for this heavenly room. And here's an intriguing thought to which we don't know the answer yet. Will it stop when we move in? Will we suddenly be so completed and so perfected that we're ready to sing God's praise for 10,000 years? Or is there more? I'd like to think there's more of that. Maybe my human frailty. I don't know. But when the time has come, I look forward to finding out. I'm not going to rush that process. But when the time comes, I want to find out. Jesus says, I am the way to get there, I am the path. I'm the faultless GPS. I don't know if I shared the message about talking to a bunch of people at a baccalaureate, high school seniors and teachers and whatnot. And I mentioned roadmaps. A bunch of 18 year olds gave me this awfully puzzled look. A what? Well, you know, Google Maps on a computer. I've heard of that one. Well, a little Garmin device, you know, you put on the dashboard? Dad used to have one of those, but it's in a shoebox now. How about on your phone? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get that. We get that. Friend of mine who was to participate in the ceremony, he wasn't there yet. The was a deacon from a nearby church up the road a little bit. And as I'm starting the message, and I've talked about the maps, I've talked about the garment, I've talked about the, the GPS, just about the time I'm getting to the phone, I see Joe looking through the window. Great big tall guys, are looking in the back window at the church. And I, Joe, come on in. Joe comes up in the narthex, has his robe and stole already on, and gives me a great big hug and right into my microphone, which was live, forgive the language, he says, GPS sucks. <laughs> well, he'd punched in West Boylston instead of Boylston, so he was a little late to the service. He wasn't impressed with GPS at that point. He was a little upset. And I couldn't, the congregation thought I'd paid him to do it. It was so perfectly timed, he thought I'd paid them. No, it was purely, purely spontaneous, the way. Jesus is the way. How do we treat the next one in this world today? Jesus doesn't equivocate. He says, I am the truth. Remember when Jesus says, I am, he's saying God am. Because the language he uses in Greek is the language God used when he introduced himself to Moses and said, I am that I am. That form of Hebrew translates into Greek as ego eimi, I Am," there's a simple way to say, "am," but I am is formal. When Jesus says, "I am," that's the form he used. He says, "God am, I am God and I am the truth." He doesn't say, "I am my truth." He says, "I'm God's truth." He doesn't say, "I'm your truth." And we may believe something that is true, but it is not our believing it that makes it true. Listen to that carefully. When you're talking to somebody, say, well, this is the truth. I don't believe that, so it's not true for me. Relative truth. Everybody's got their own. Make a human the source of truth, not God. We all may tend to do that, some more than others, when Jesus says I am the truth, he doesn't say I might be my truth, I'm not yours. He says I am the truth. Period. I'm a landmark. I'm something you can survey from and measure life from. I am a festpunkt. I'm a, a fixed point. I work now with a, a civil engineer. We get all these survey maps from a very experienced engineer who lives around a corner from here, by the way. Did some work on a steeple of this church. We don't see him Sunday mornings, but he's a friend. And uh, he knows the value of different survey points from which to measure a piece of property. They have differing quality. If you can find a fixed benchmark, something that is anchored to bedrock with a specially surveyed in elevation and all the other measurements that go with it, then he can survey that property with great confidence. We can survey our way. We can survey what we are to believe is truth from a fixed benchmark, a very fixed landmark point. That is Jesus Christ. We need to test all worldly truth against his. And as I say, what we believe may be true but it's not because we believe it that it is true. I hope we believe it because it is true and not try to make belief truth in itself. Does that sound too complicated? If I convoluted the words too much, somebody says, well, I believe this. Okay, that does not, or you tell someone, Some, I don't believe that. Well, I'm sorry, but your credulity does not affect the veracity of what I said. It's true or it's not by a higher standard than me or you. And Jesus says, I am the standard for truth. And then that he offers us more. I am the life. So they call it in Greek, but I am the life. More than just the the fact that I can breathe and my heart pumps that circulates the, the oxygen and some of it gets to the brain to some good effect. More than that, he gives a meaning to life, he can restore life, (laughs) he fits us for the room that he's going ahead to prepare, and whatever awaits us there, we can't imagine. John tried in the Revelation to describe it, but he was stuck with human language. He only reflected the glory of what we see now, as Paul said, dimly in a mirror. But at the fullness of time in Christ, we will see clearly with our own glorified, restored eyes. And we will live in the Father's house with Jesus as a guide, the way to get there. Jesus, the truth of this world and the next Jesus and the life that gives meaning to the life we have now. To love God, to love neighbor, to serve God by serving neighbor in that love, by taking good care of one another and helping preach and teach the gospel, that we show others the way that is Jesus Christ, the truth that is Jesus Christ, that they can have the life that is Jesus Christ and have their name on a reservation on a room in the Father's house. Jesus Christ tells us very clearly, I am the way and the truth and the life. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.